Satanas, we are the VD Clinic. Hey, everybody. This is David. And I'm joined by Vanessa. Hello. And Darren. Hey, everybody. What's and, your metal name? Oh, yeah. I forgot. So we're we're, we're covering black metal today. Uh, and we decided we were going to take metal names because that's fucking awesome. And we're dorks. <laughs> um, so and, and, and Duncan was going to join yes. us, but uh, he had a, a migraine at the last moment. So, yeah. yes. Unfortunately, he it, could not make it. So. Yes, but anyway, uh, but at yeah. some point he'll be on the show. But... Yes, probably. Um, yes. <laughs> and I don't expect any of us to remember these fucking names through the show because that's not going to happen. Um, but I decided <laughs> to go with uh, Drog. I think that's pretty good. Uh, Darian, what was yours? Yours was something absurd. Well, I'm named after oh, Darren. Right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm named after Darren the uh, the minstrel. What? Uh, well. Uh, well the name is taken from the root words of great and shadow in the entomologies of the Silmarillion. So I don't know what the Norwegian word for shadow is, but it, it's I could be great shadow. But does that sound like I am stealing a Native American name? Well, if it, if you're put, well, if you you if you use the Tolkien language, it's OK. Ah, uh, OK. So Cause that word. Yeah. As we'll be, discuss, yeah. Tolkien shows up a lot. Yeah. Well, the, that's just die. D-A-I. Yeah, there you go. Shadow. I am die. Call me die. Nice. Vanessa? Um. Well, my father, I don't have a Tolkien name. He did read me a lot in, as a young child instead of fairy tales. But um, he was an entomologist and crazy geek. And it was the 70s. And I suppose there were a lot of, or at least some drugs involved. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 And um, I was named Vanessa Card after the Vanessa Cardi butterfly that was, which is an, it's an insect. So even though it's a butterfly, pretty sounding in a way, but still, it's a fucking insect that I'm named after. <laughs> but they were supposedly migrating when I was born. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I'm counted as Vanessa Cardi. Nice. Go. Which also, it's lat, It's actually Latin too, and it translates to "painted lady," nice. which kind of sounds, which kind of sounds like a stripper, but you know, it's it's it, once again Tolkien's language and Latin get thrown around a lot in black metal because they sound yeah. cool, and mistranslations of both are rampant. Yeah, unless they use the Sirth alphabet, which Darren created. <laughs> um, so you could call me Sirth if you don't want to call me oh Die. My God. Yeah, uh, but I am not alone in Tolkien names. No, no, there's no, uh, several bands. Shag Shagrath. Yeah, from uh, what Demu? Yep. Or yeah, um, Gorgoroth. Their name comes from, I believe, a location in Mordor. Uh, Burzum is mm. means darkness in whatever the fuck they speak in Mordor. <laughs> the the black tongue of Mordor, or whatever the fuck it is. Jesus Christ. 
fucking nerd yep. shit. <laughs> and Grishnak. Oh, yeah, and, and Grishnak. Now, I say this fucking nerd shit, and in like half he an hour when we're... When, right, and then half an hour when we're talking about bands, I'm going to be the biggest fucking nerd on the show, so... Nerd on nerd violence. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, how you guys been? I've been uh, doing pretty well. Yeah, how was everybody's holiday? Because we just... uh. We just had our, this is January now for everybody. So it's our January episode. And I hope everybody had a good holiday out there in the, out in the um, audience. Vanessa, I'm part of the audience. Yeah. I, I listened to your Hebrew Hammer episode and it makes me want to check the movie out again. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. I, I haven't, I didn't give it much yet. of a shake when I first watched it. I get that. Which. Which I realized that day I let David talk, like, let me talk it down a little bit more. I love that fucking movie so fucking much. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it. I can't help it. I can't praise it enough. Yeah. That's my only holiday movie. And I almost watched it again when my mom came to visit me after uh, Christmas. When Just, you were snowed in? Yeah, when we were snowed in. Yeah. And it was like nearly, it was, yeah, nearly zero here in New York. So. <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, I was bitching because it was like 40 degrees at six o'clock in the morning when I was leaving. <laughs> oh, you know, it happens to everybody. I, know. I remember you know, going to Florida in the wintertime and it's like 50 degrees and everybody's dressing like they're in the shining. Right. I'm already <laughs> in my shorts. <laughs> right. It's like it was 20 degrees in Ohio. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's like I live in the Bay Area, so it's like it doesn't usually like it, for us a cold snap is like 40 to 30 because most of the time it sticks around like 50 or so um yeah the bay area has got its own sort of steady temperature yeah it's pretty nice except when we have fucking heat waves which suck which we had this past summer and wildfires that too yeah exactly Holy shit last year was a nightmare um but yeah so vanessa how was your christmas and holiday besides hanging out um, with your mom it was good to have my mom come. I mean, we don't do anything really for the holidays, but she mm. just happened to be able to get a cheap plane ticket like the week after. So she, but she was here for New Year's, mm-hmm. and we wisely stayed in and made fun of people who were standing out in Times Square, you know, on on TV. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, we did a lot of nothing just because it was too damn cold <laughs> at the time. But yeah, always good to see my mom. Yeah. Even though, you know, parents start to drive you crazy after a few days. Oh, yeah. Yep. No matter how much you love them. Yep. I, you, you were texting me. That was, that was pretty fun. I think it was a couple. You're like, oh, yeah, my mom's coming in. I was like, oh, great. And like literally like two or three days later, you're like, oh, my God, she's driving me fucking crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really go anywhere this time. Right. You know, also, she's been to New York enough that she's seen a lot of stuff. That she's not like, oh, I have to go do this touristy thing or that, you know, whatever. Mm. And she's getting ready to move here, you know, in a few months. So she can save some of it. Right. But. And you also got to hang out with Duncan. Yes, I got to see Duncan um, in December and his lovely family. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun. And I know you were jealous. <laughs> <laughs> your, your man crush on Duncan. So Duncan. jealous. <laughs> oh, my God. I told him that, and he started blushing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, visibly red. Because <laughs> he knows it's true. <laughs> I know. I was ready for this episode to be a bunch of uh, bromance, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Conversation. And, 
Not that we don't love Darren. I mean, Darren, you're already going to be here, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Duncan knows a lot more of the intricacies of what we're going to be talking about also. So I don't want uh, David to feel like lopsided teaching us, but it might be fun to nerd out, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I fucking love nerding out about this nonsense. We can uh, we can teach what in Deathgasm. We can teach you D&D. <laughs> teach us about black metal. Yep. Although I've never played D&D, and I think you have. Yes, I have. I've actually DM'd a game. A couple, actually. Well, yeah, I, I ran one campaign for a while, and then I played one game with a group of coworkers, and I was like, never again with you fuckers. <laughs> never again. Oh, God. Yeah. See, I've never played D&D, but I've been in the same room with people playing D&D. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you get a good group going, it, it can be fun if everybody's into it. But if somebody comes in with fucking Wolverine and tries to sandbag the goddamn game, it's just a fucking nightmare. Oh wow! You can and you can introduce. Uh, no, he Marvel was characters. his. No, his character was basically Wolverine, mm. like just the broody. Like, oh, my family was murdered, and I'm just broody and dark. I'm like, oh, fuck. I keep brought. <laughs> he was so excited when he brought this character to me, and I legitimately laughed in his face. I was like, please God, tell me you're joking. <laughs> and he's like, no, I want to play this character. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. I've watched Logan five times. Yeah, he was bad. I've got to do this. Yeah, I had to fucking... Everybody else was willing to try and go on the quest, except he was going to fucking sit in the bar. So I had to get his (laughs) ass into combat by attacking his girlfriend's character. (laughs) Literally how I got him into the fucking game. I was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Anyway, how was your holiday, Darren? (laughs) It was was pretty good, thanks. You know, it's uh, the first year that... My son Danzig is old enough to kind of give a shit. Oh, good. So I got him a wooden tow truck and it was the best until nice. we went to his grandma's house. And <laughs> she or gave him everything. Everything that makes noise with batteries. And... Yeah, but it's okay. I mean, still hear the loudest things he likes to play with are the piano and the drums. Hmm. So I'm good with that. The acceptable things. <laughs> yeah. And last last year we all had the flu. Oh, shit. So it was a great holiday. <laughs> yeah, <compared. laughs> Nothing else aside, except for we were all good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, how was yours? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Next December, question. December was complicated. Um, and Christmas itself was actually, it was nice. It was low key. Um, I was not in a great mood uh, for, for various reasons. Uh, but my parents gave me an iPad, which was super awesome. And I've been loving the shit out of that. Um, New Year's was very low-key I just stayed home and watched I think I played either I played Friday the 13th or I was watching Netflix or something Um, but yeah it's been pretty low-key and then like I've been sick off and on like most of the like December it's it's been a fucking nightmare because everybody the fucking office has been sick and then like the cold snap it's just like ugh hate it (laughs) but very excited to do this episode and there will be an announcement at the end of the show uh that we'll discuss then so uh we're gonna take a brief break and we'll be right back to discuss uh our movie topic or the movie um until the light takes us badasses boobs and body counts is a weekly podcast that discusses all things grindhouse exploitation drive-in and b-movies your three hosts mike we're we're gonna discuss the renee martinez directed picture the six thousand dollar 
Last what? Time. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the name of the Super movie. Super Soul that's, Brother. That's the name. When you that's start the movie. DVD cover. When you start the movie, the first thing that that's comes up says. is the title, and it says $6,000. Mark. And I've been around a girl stroking a horse's dick. Somehow, somewhere down the line, I'm going to use that clip against you. Shh. <laughs> Please do. And listener favorite Iris. The deployment sock. And I'm like, deployment sock? What the fuck is a deployment sock? He goes, you know, you know that sock that you just use? Oh my God, you guys are so gross. <laughs> See, so it happens for real. People do come inside. We'll make you question your political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop Sunday and can be found by searching for BB and BC Podcast via iTunes, Lipson, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and everywhere else you can download quality podcasts from. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at bbnbcpodcast.com. discussing Until the Light Takes Us. This was released in 2008. And the synopsis is interviews and news footage explore the rise of black metal music in Norway in the 1990s, including artists who were involved in suicide, murder, and arson. And this was directed by Aaron Eitz and Audrey Yule. And I'm not going to go over everybody who's in the cast, but it's a bunch of people who were prominent in the scene at the time. Farg Virkinis is interviewed... Um, Fenris of Dark Throne is uh, prominently... He's kind of our, our narrator, in a sense, uh, through this whole thing. And yeah, it basically, for the most part, focuses predominantly on the sort of the birth of Norwegian black metal in the early 90s and the crimes that were associated with it. Yeah, this is our uplifting documentary that we're covering. <laughs> because <laughs> last time we talked about which was for our satanic panic episode right which darren ended up being on um we discussed a more dark whatever satanic panic type documentary (laughs) (laughs) and uh i'm glad i'm glad we ended up with this end of uh satanic whatever (laughs) worship as it were yes there is a the and we don't have canadian satan no we're doing this episode is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, no Canadian Satan here. This is uh, Norwegian Satan, and Norwegian Satan does not fuck around. 
Yeah. No. No. Norwegian Satan is the Satan you fear. Yes. Because he wants you to burn churches <laughs> and scream into a microphone with <laughs> blasting drums behind you. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I personally like the faster drummer, the bands with the faster drummers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, that's you know probably because that's the kind of drums I like to play. Right. But it's just, um, yeah, there's some good ones in there. Yeah. The only one, the only black metal band I think I've ever seen. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm. but uh, Cradle of Filth are they? The black metal con- or are they mm. death metal? They've more become a like extreme gothic metal kind of thing. Um, I, it was about for, ten years ago. Yeah, what I, were they then? Yeah, probably the same. Like for me, okay. The uh, some most people make the distinction, or a lot. Some people make the distinction of Principal Evil Made Flesh. Their first album is their only black metal release. Some people will will include uh, Vampire and Dusk and Her Embrace. I'm willing to push it at least to 98, which is Cruelty and the Beast. And I consider that to be their last, like, straight-up, more or less symphonic black metal album. And then from there on, they get more into the the symphonic extreme gothic style that they were more known for in with Midian and Damnation in a Day and the stuff they released in the mid-2000s and so on and so forth. Okay, right on. Yeah, I've got a friend that's more into bands like that and mm. Emperor and yep. things like that. And he would buy me tickets to go to concerts with him because he didn't want to go by himself. Right. And and I'll watch pretty much anybody. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, Cradle's a really Before good, I started uh, cramming band. for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cradle's a good yeah. live band. I've seen them three times. Um, they were like, they were actually my introduction. So that's how I was introduced to black metal. And uh, I want to say... It was probably late 2002, early 2003. Uh, my best friend mm. at the time brought over Cruelty and the Beast and put it on my stereo, on my, on my shitty, shitty stereo. Um, <laughs> and it sounded fucking... Just, it, it was like nothing I'd ever heard before. And I think part of that was because, again, my stereo sucked. But it was just this blast of just nightmare-fueled music that I couldn't begin to comprehend. Like, I couldn't... Like it was just this wall of noise, but then all of a sudden there was this really beautiful like synth music over it too, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then there was you know the female vocals, and then Danny, who I thought was two people because it was the height, it was the screeching and the growling. I didn't realize it was one dude, um, and I hated it at first. And he ended up leaving. He left it at my house first. I think he forgot it. And for some reason, I kept listening to it because I really like the symphonic stuff. I really really liked, and I was like, that's kind of interesting. And then finally it clicked for me and I just, I fucking loved it. And then I think Sons of Northern Darkness by Immortal was the next one I heard. And that was more of a traditional black metal album. Uh, uh, eh. (laughs) Immortal is immortal. Um, And then I think the next one would have been, I think somebody gave me Emperor's last album, um, Prometheus, which is not a good album to introduce someone to Emperor with. Holy shit. (laughs) That 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 that's an album you have to get to after you've listened to like In the Nightside Eclipse and Nine Equilibrium and um, Anthems. You know, their early stuff, you listen to that stuff first and then go to Prometheus. Um, because then it's like, okay, now I understand why these guys were, you know, hailed as like this amazing black metal band. Because I put on Prometheus, I'm like, what the fuck is this? 
very it's very weird and proggy and it's super good i love it now but at the time i couldn't figure it out um anyway so uh i'll give a, a brief sort of time frame for what when the events that this movie is discussing took place um so i'd say 89 8889 is when Mayhem releases Death Crush, which is the first. It's not really black metal, but it's getting there for Norway. Um, black metal existed in a proto form prior to this, but we'll get to that later. Um, so Death Crush is kind of the, the starting point of the Norwegian scene. And then 90 or 91, Dark Throne releases A Blaze in the Northern Sky, which is the official like first Norwegian black metal album. Um, and that album sounds exactly like what you would expect when you, when, when people say Norwegian black metal, that's the sound they're thinking is, you know, a blaze in the Northern sky or Burzum's first album, uh, the self-titled album that came out in, I believe 90 or 91, very lo-fi, um, very, um, very high treble on the guitars and tremolo picking in the blast beats and the screeched vocals or growled vocals with dark throne. Um, and then I want to say 92 is when the first church burning happens. I think, I think it's about when, when the first, first church goes up and then it starts a wave of, uh, church burnings. And then it sounds about right in my memory. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying. I think so. Yeah. <clears throat> like 91, 92, the church burnings, there's a, a rash of church burnings. Um, it's, it's what, I think 92, 93 is what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I think it is 92, 93. And then there's also, uh, there was... A... Oh, I read the book and there's so much information in yeah. that book. That... <laughs> yeah, this is, that... like I said, this is just sort a of a... lot of details to remember. Yeah, this is the broad the broad timeline of the, the events of the, the Norwegian scene that are covered in the movie. Um, so church burnings, there's the murder in Olympic Park, and then there is what Varg refers to as the media event, which is his stupid ass goes to the fucking paper and says, her dur, I know who burned the churches down. Dur, dur, dur. <laughs> fucking idiot. That which, was in 92 when he was accused of the, uh, okay. Of the church. Burns. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah, then the murder would have happened in 92 as well. Um, and then I want to say 93 is the death of your, is, is the death of your anonymous, like 93, 94, I want to say. And then, 94 is when the uh, mystery uh, Dom Satanus by Mayhem finally is released. And that's kind of the, 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 the chunk of time that this movie mostly focuses on is that late 80s, early 90s period when the, the black metal scene in Norway was first forming and the various kind of personalities that came into it. Euronymous um, being obviously a major force uh, with mayhem because they were kind of the first big Norwegian band of the of the uh, of that scene, um, and then of course the next major player to to come in was Dead, their uh, their second third vocalist. They had a bunch of vocalists in their in their early days. I think there's two of them on Death Crush. I know Maniac is on there, and I think Messiah is on there too. I don't remember. Death Crush is real fucking good though. 
Yeah, another detail that I read <laughs> in that book, and I'm trying to remember every single detail. I mean, really, Darren, I know you didn't read the book, but it, it is an encyclopedia, and which is great if you're really, that's what you're looking for. But it's well, a lot I, of information to remember. Yeah. I dog eared oh. a lot of pages, and I'm <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> I might be checking it out because in preparing for this episode, it's I know I, I turn like everything into politics or punk rock. Right. But black metal like coming at it from a relatively outsider standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was aware of it. I knew some bands and I'd seen the movie before and I read the the spin article when it came out in 1992 or 93, but it sort of reminds me of the punk rock, a punk rock of metal Mm -hmm. in that, you know, uh, what, what did you say was the main guy in, in the documentary? The Fenris. Fenris. Yeah. You know, he talks about it like you hear people talk about punk music. It's yeah. like, yes, people like to dress up and, you know, they don't know that it's fucking right. real. And you think you've got to wear this and you got to do that and the other thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm fucking real. And um, the the way that, <clears throat> you know, instead of, I guess, like when I discovered. How old were you when you first discovered Black Metal? You were a teenager, right? Yeah, I was like 16, 17. So I was yeah, like the perfect so, age to, to find that. Yeah, and, and instead of uh, like I hate everything and I'm I'm gonna be political or whatever, it was like I hate everything and Satan, right? You know, or that's a simplification. Yeah. I don't wonder. No, I, that's that, that is kind of the thing. It was like for me, like I was already a metal fan, and like I was always mm-hmm. searching for something. I you know you're always looking for something heavier as a metal fan. You always want like what is the heaviest thing I can fucking find, and death metal just didn't do it for me. Like it was just too, it was too chaotic. There wasn't enough to draw me in, but symphonic black metal was my gateway. And I was like, holy shit, extreme metal is fucking awesome. <laughs> and then, you know, as the years went on, like I started branching out into the more first and second wave bands. Like I really, for a long time, I didn't really listen to Dark Throne or Burzum or even Mayhem. Um, I, I got into Emperor because Emperor was fucking fantastic. And they were you know, put out some fucking great albums. Um, but it took me years to, to really get into stuff like Dark Throne. And it wasn't until like, I think last year that I listened to uh, A Blaze in the Northern Sky and like, was like, actually like, holy shit, this is a fucking great album. Um, Cause I, you know, I love Transylvanian Hunger. Like I've been trying to replicate that fucking guitar tone from that song for, <laughs> you know, a year or two now. And I still can't figure it out. Um, you know, I've, I've been a fan of Burzum for several years now, and here's a here's a thing that have that the the I think every black metal fan has to do, which is the separation of the artist from the art, because there are a lot of shitheads in black metal, just <laughs> unrepentant shitheads. Um, you know, Varg Virkinis is a murderer and a flaming racist and a gigantic shithead but he made some really fucking great albums. Um, Hellhammer is a fucking amazing drummer. He's also a massive cunt and also a racist. <laughs> he was quoted at one point as saying black metal is for white people. And I'm like, you are a massive cunt. You still play amazing drums, but you're a massive cunt. Um, you know, so like 
and not to mention there's the whole like there's a yeah, you know, I'll get into the, the weird shit when we get into the book, but you know, there's a lot of shitty people in metal, but it's one of those things where it's like if their politics and and this is a part of the reason I love black metal is that for the most part, the politics aren't in the music. You know, they keep their politics separate and the music is just, you know, it's literally just talking about Satan or darkness or whatever. Yeah. And that's great. You know, it's it's fucking <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fucking cool. It's you know, it's it's fantasy shit and I love that. And it's, you know, super dark and grim and evil and you know, when you're sixteen or seventeen like I was and you're seeing these guys in these, you know, high contrast black and white photos and you know, with the paint and the weapons and they're all looking fucking evil and it's like I had seen Kiss already and been really disappointed because I was like, Wow, these guys look <laughs> super cool and I put the music on, I'm like, the fuck is this? you know and kind of had the same feeling cock rock right and then like kind of had the same feeling with alice cooper it's like oh hey he's wearing makeup and he's singing rock songs okay that's cool and then like this was the first time where it's like okay these guys look like fucking demons and i'm gonna put the music on and holy shit they sound like demons this is fucking (laughs) great oh yeah and and that's 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 always a funny one is when like People who people who don't listen to extreme metal or black metal hear you playing it. They're like, "How do you understand this?" And it's like, "It, it just takes time. You just adapt yeah. to it. You <laughs> learn. You you learn to understand it after a while." And it's like, "Oh yeah, I can." And like, I can pick out like most of the time, I can tell like which vocalist is who. Um, you know, depending. Yeah, there. I mean, they did seem to have significant styles uh, or not significant but signature style you know they're the there's the really stripped down they're slower fast mm-hmm. and then or yeah but it's there's so much in between yeah absolutely and you've got like you know um well hmm. i guess this is where we're getting we're just sort of already branching off into the music i guess We'll just. Oh, sorry. I uh, know it's fine. We'll just. I mean, there's not. A, you know, the movie is. The movie's really good. Like, if you if you have no real, if you have no real frame of reference for black metal, I would absolutely recommend watching it if you have any interest in it. Um, it's really fucking good. Um, I. The only thing in the movie that kind of irks me a little bit is the artist guy whose name I can't remember. Who Frost? Not him. The guy who is the the guy who's all obsessed with Frost. Oh, the tan photographer man. Yes. Uh, that's all that I called him in my notes was tan photographer man. Yeah, <laughs> he, he kind of annoys me because he's kind of fucking pretentious. I mean, I appreciate mm-hmm. what he's saying, like you know that that you know what is Norway's cultural export and it's black metal. And it seems like no one really you know is proud of that. And again, granted, considering the crimes of the early '90s, I understand why people aren't particularly proud of black metal. I get that. Again, and also. Awesome the flaming shitheads throughout the genre. Um, <laughs> however, they've also, there've been some, you know, the Norwegian black metal scene legitimately gave the metal community some fucking amazing albums that are like, I've seen emperors in the nightside eclipse on like the top 100 best, you know, metal albums ever. I think last year or something. And I was like, all right, impressive. I'm glad that, you know, People are people are willing to be like, yeah, no, these are actually really fucking good albums, and not just you know within their niche. They're legitimately fucking amazing metal albums. 
And you've shared the links to your awesome Spotify list. Oh, yes. But it might be a good time to remind everybody about them right now since we have diverged into yes. the music for a moment. Um, yeah, so there are, and I'll put the links in the show notes, I made four uh, playlists, and they cover the the different waves of black metal. So there's a, a first wave, uh, which is black thrash and uh, proto-black metal. Uh, there's a playlist that is just Norwegian, specifically bands that were prominent in the Norwegian scene in the early 90s. Um, there's one that is international, which is later bands, or bands from that time period and later that were also playing black metal around the world. And then the last one is uh, black gaze, post-black metal, and black and roll, which is more modern stuff that is built in, building off of what black metal started basically so post-punk yeah (laughs) no and i've been listening to these because i my i i have to say i mean i i definitely gravitate much more towards punk and um and so my metal i have a certain limited metal knowledge as much as i i mean i enjoy it Mm -hmm. but again still punk with is where i gravitate right um and I definitely like the the earlier, closer to thrash yeah. stuff. Yeah, more Venom and Bathory, Bathory from what yeah. I'm listening to. Yeah, it, which I'd actually heard, you know, before the, you know, before mm-hmm. you brought this up, but yeah, heard that years, but yeah, and uh, I just never got into for whatever reason. Oh yeah, I totally get that. Um, yeah, I mean the the. Fuck it. I'm just going to say, watch the fucking movie, and we're going to talk about the book, because we're, we're just going to talk <laughs> about this fucking music. It's going to be way easier. Um, well, and- I'll, use, I'll use my knowledge from the movie there you go. to interject during the discussion of the book. Yes, and we'll, interge- and we'll interject the information or whatever about the crimes and and how it is in the book. Yeah. I mean, his, how it is in the movie. Yeah, yeah. that works. Now, I think the might be crime easier way to do this. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. I believe they I have a question. On that. Uh, okay, we'll get there. Um, okay. So, uh, so black metal is typically um, classified in waves, and waves is more of just a, an idea of an easy way to categorize specific bands that you know were a part of a specific time frame and uh, style. So, first wave black metal is stuff like Venom, um, Bathory. Merciful Fate, um, Volcano from South America somewhere. I can't think of where they're from. Brazil. I think so. Um, Sarcophago, who I think is Mexico or Brazil. Um, There's one from Venezuela. I forget. That might be Sarcophago. I'd have to. I don't remember. Um, I could look it up. Um, And then you know, very very early creator, very very early Sodom. Um, you know, that's the, uh, and, oh shit. What is, what was Attila's first band? Fuck. Um, oh, Master's <laughs> Hammer. And Master's Hammer is fucking cool. I don't remember if they got on any of the playlists. Um, cause their, their stuff is hard to find on, online, which sucks. Um, but Master's Hammer is fucking cool. Um, they're, they were from Hungary and they were just weird, but really unique. Um, so first wave black metal is 
more characterized as being kind of proto-thrash, but still kind of punk. Um, like, Venom is a very good example of that, uh, because it's just three guys, and they don't really play great, or they don't really play very well, but they play in, with intensity, and that's kind of the gimmick. And they were also like, oh, they, like they, they were the first ones to really make Satanism like their thing. Like that was their that was their big gimmick. Um, you know, like I think the first album is I think their first album is Welcome to Hell. Um, their second is Black Metal, which was the birth of a heavy genre title. Uh, I think their last the last one they did before they broke up for a while was I think at War with Satan. Um, yeah, and those are all pretty good. You know, they're very Motorhead inspired. Um, kind of albums. Um, so yeah, like early, the first wave stuff tends to be more like thrashy, but the lyrics are kind of typically about Satanism. Um, you know, Merciful Fate was very heavily doing uh, Satanism in their lyrics because King Diamond is a, I believe, a Levian Satanist. Um, I think so. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I uh, heard. Yeah. So he's very. He's very into that. And so, Merciful Fate had a very. They. I think they were one of the early ones to use keyboards. Um. To pretty. I, I would say to to good effect. Um. You know they're again a very thrashy band. Um. Don't break the oath is a fucking great album though. Love that album. Um. Celtic Frost. Uh, and their prior band Hellhammer. Uh, Hellhammer. I think. Mm, Production-wise, Hellhammer is much more was a is it was a really big influence on the, Nor- the Norwegian scene because it's very lo-fi. Um, whereas Celtic Frost, the riffing I think became a little bit more what people latched onto. Um, kind of same with Bathory. Bathory's first three albums, um, the self-titled Under the Black or the Return, and then Under the Bl- Sign of the Black Mark. Um, are the Satanic Trilogy, and those are all very, very clearly picked up on by the the black metal scene later. Um, Very thrashy, very heavy on Satanism, and, you know, those Bathory albums are very lyrically, um, very cartoon Satanism, you know, very comic book horror movie Satanism. Um, And then with Bloodfire Death, which is a fucking amazing album, holy shit. Um, he switches over to Viking stuff, and that's where Bathory went from there. Um, and that was the first album that was more epic sounding. Like there's more keyboard on that, and there's it's still very thrashy and very, very you know, riff heavy. Um, but it's also got more, more expanded, more grand, um, and also was a starting point for the uh, Viking black metal scene that would. Sp- split off from the black metal scene in the 90s um which is actually the thing i i really kind of love about the early black metal scene is that none of the bands well some of the bands sounded similar but for the most part there was a lot of creativity within that early scene because if you take you take burzum's first album you take uh blaze in the northern sky mayhem's uh day mysteries album um Arcturus's first album, Enslaved's first album. Take a track from each of those, listen to them, and they all—they have similarities, but they all sound very different. But they're all black metal, which is what I fucking love about the genre. 
Um, unfortunately, as the years have gone by, people have latched onto the lo-fi, shitty production thing and are like, that's what black metal is supposed to sound like. And it's like, meh. <laughs> it's like not really we put tin foil over the microphones right <laughs> so that sucks um but yeah so in the uh uh yeah so that's sort of the first wave stuff and then like i said there was other bands and like you know creator early creator and early um sodom from germany uh sarcophago and uh, volcano from south america um and, then, and most of those bands evolved into just thrash bands as the years went on. Um, Sodom is a really good fucking thrash band. Creators are really fucking good thrash band. Um, I haven't really checked out anything, any of Sarcophago or Volcano stuff post their, you know, black metal albums, but I've heard those are pretty good. Um, yeah. And then there's Vaughn from the US, which is such a, there are, a very strange uh, kind of offshoot of the early black metal scene uh, because nobody thought nobody knew they existed for the longest time. <laughs> there was like literally like nothing. Nobody could find anything beyond like a demo or two um, and some pictures. And then like they reappeared and that was a weird story in that book. Yeah. <laughs> the book is full of weird stories as it turns out because black metal is full of fucking weirdos. <laughs> It seems the to, hell you say? It seems to track them more than uh, some other genres of music. Yeah, it, <laughs> percentage wise, I'm just it really saying. Does, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and then, um, so Mayhem's Death Crush, which I think was like I said, 88, 89, is it leans more towards death metal, I would say, but it's it's. It's getting, it's still kind of right in the line of first wave black metal and death metal. Because that was the thing, like, if you listen to a lot of early and mid-80s metal, like, underground stuff, the the extreme metal stuff kind of all kind of gelled together. Like, there isn't, there wasn't that distinct change of, of, like, what was thrash and what was death metal and what was this and that yet. It was just a lot of bands doing kind of extreme stuff and then it became you know you know slayer and stuff became more focused on being like this is a thrash band you know whereas you know death metal stuff was becoming more clearly defined as what it was um and then of course the second wave black metal of norway it was a response to commercial death metal that they they fucking hated (laughs) Euronymous was was never minced words about how much he hated specific bands. Napalm Death apparently was one that he really hated. Really? Yeah. I think it was politics. Yeah. Like he just hated their politics for some shit. Um, I don't remember their politics, but yeah, I don't know. I'm sh- I don't know, but um, was it Euronymous? He was a communist. Yeah, he yeah he claimed to be a communist, and I think the he had a very interesting idea with regard to what black metal should be not necessarily as much with the his absurd ideas about the, the, the dress code and all that <laughs> other shit um, but I think the, the, the idea of you know it's not necessarily the music it's the message it's like if it's if the lyrics are about Satan and Satanism then that's black metal 
Whereas if they're not singing about that, that's not black metal was his thing, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Well, I will try to keep this to a minimum, but that's (laughs) like the punk thing of Johnny Cash has a punk rock attitude. Right. Versus the Sex Pistols. They have safety pins. They have, you know, they're drunk. They're cutting themselves. Right. They're playing those specific four chords. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, so did is this too early to ask? Did Varg always hate Euronymous? No, actually, that's the the funny thing. Um, from and I don't remember which where I saw this. I want to say it was in the movie Once Upon a Time in Norway. It might have been in the Mayhem documentary Pure Fucking Armageddon. I don't remember. I've seen both. I just don't remember which one it was. But um, I think a little bit of it comes up in the book, too. Um, when Varg first came into the scene, Euronymous was very high on him. He was highly praising his uh, the first Burzum album. Um, they seemed to get along very well and seemed to, you know, very much click. Um, and then... Things started to change when Varg started putting words into action and, you know, started burning churches. Um, mm. That kind of started to change things and made the dynamic more that he was the focus and Euronymous didn't like that. Um, because, and so, rolling back a little bit on Mayhem. Um, so, Death Crush comes out and their original drummer, Mannheim, leaves because he's like, I'm, I'm done. I did what I wanted to do. I want to go do this other thing. So he fucks off. Um, so it's just Euronymous and Necro Butcher. And then they hi- they hire Dead and Hellhammer. Thus giving us the, uh, the, the most commonly, ref- the most common, commonly thought of mayhem lineup um, with those guys. And so they, they don't, they never release or they don't, not, or they don't end up releasing Day Mysteries until 94 um, but the, there's already talk of it within like 89, 90 it's popping up in like flyers and stuff um, and they do a small tour of Europe um, which is where the Live in Leipzig um, album comes from which is fucking great uh, with Dead on vocals and then Dead commits suicide he was a, a Swedish uh, vocalist who joined the band uh, sent them a, a demo tape and a letter with a crucified mouse in the mail. Because that's <laughs> fucking black metal for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Dead comes to Norway and apparently Dead and Euronymous had a bit of a contentious um, relationship. Um, you know, Dead was a very, from all by all accounts, was a very depressed guy. Um, had apparently claimed to have had to have died as a child and come back, um, which is possible. They have been, you know, clinically dead for a few minutes or something. Um, mm. So he just shortened it to dead. Yeah, he just he called himself dead, um, and he was really good fucking vocalist, uh, but also very like everybody. Everybody who talks about dead, everybody has nice things to say about him, but they all say the same thing, which is he was very depressed. And he was just, you know, a very didn't didn't feel at, at ease in this world. Didn't feel right 
in this world. Um, and in 92, 93, I don't remember exactly now, uh, Dead committed suicide by shooting himself with a shotgun, wearing an I Heart Transylvania shirt, and I believe his suicide note says, excuse the blood. Didn't it also apologize for firing a gun indoors, or is that some mythology that I... I... That might have been mythology. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. I know it was excuse the blood or something similar to that uh, was on the note. And then Euronymous, uh, everybody was out of town except dead. Euronymous comes home because uh, the parent, the band was living in, in a, a house together. And apparently they only had like a couple of keys and Euronymous didn't have one. So the door <laughs> was locked. So he had to crawl through an open window, which happened to be dead's room. So he found dead. Um, he found dead, dead yes. in, in bed, in bed, which is Varg's bad joke that oh, he made. Oh God. <sighs> That's right. It was. Like, sorry. I was like, Really? That may have accidentally come out that way, but then he's like laughing as he says it. Yeah. Uh, so, I am so clever. Yeah. Exactly. Fucking Varg. What a Varg. God damn him. I know. Such Satan a... damn him. Somebody. <laughs> Jesus. <Yeah>. He's <laughs> such a shithead. He made, some, like I said, he made some really great fucking albums, but he's a shithead. He is such a shitty human being. Um, so, Euronymous. I don't, I don't know. This is one of those things where the, the story gets a little hazy. Um, either he had a camera on hand or he went and bought a camera but he took pictures of the corpse um, he apparently rearranged it slightly because I guess Dad had slid his wrist and shot himself um, so in the picture that ended up being a cover for a bootleg album called Dawn of the Black Hearts um, you get to see the suicide photo and I believe it's in the book as well um, but the knife is, yes, is the knife is over the the shotgun in like a cross form. It's like okay, yeah, obviously. Um, and then he took pieces of the skull and made necklaces and sent them to people. I'm not sure who. Um, I'm not. I don't remember if anybody is admitted to having one. Right. Oh, they talked about that in that spin article I read about the. They say the satanic Norwegians yeah. in 1993 or mm-hmm. whatever that was. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't know exactly who was supposed to receive necklaces. And I, I vaguely remember, I think somebody admitted to it, but I couldn't tell you who. Um, and even then, it's just like, well, this is a scene right. where we're talking about being more evil than you really are is kind of a thing. Yeah, maybe he gave one to the the homophobic guy that developed the photographs. Oh, <laughs> uh, Hellhammer, it's possible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he took pictures, and then there's also the story that he, you know, cooked and ate some of the brains. But I think he, I think that was a rumor he started and also dispelled later by saying yeah. that hit the the body had been there for too long, um, mm. or some such nonsense. Um, so yeah, and again, and here's the here's the thing that I I forgot to mention. All of these guys are in their late teens, early twenties. These are all teenagers. Yeah, which makes all of this shit make way more sense. Because of course they're, it does. they're all like fifteen, sixteen. I think Euronymous was like twenty five when he died. You know, I think Fark was maybe twenty nineteen. Something like that, you know. So it's a lot of you know, it's a lot of dumb teenage well, boys. Fark's my age. Okay. So he would, yeah. So he was like ninety-one and I mean twenty-one in a uh, ninety-four. Okay. When when 
he went to jail. Okay, yeah. So yeah, and I think he murdered Euronymous in '93. Three. Yeah. So yeah, he would have been about twenty. I think for, I think Euronymous was like twenty-five at that point because he was the oldest. Yeah, the scene. he was the he was a few years older. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Dead commits suicide. Euronymous gets pose taken, and then he calls Necro Butcher and tells him Dead did a really cool thing and tells him that he killed himself, which pisses Necro Butcher off because Necro Butcher is, well, apparently was really good friends with Dead, loved the guy has nothing but the highest praise for him. Thought he was a wonderful dude, and he was genuinely, like, really upset that Euronymous was, like, taking this so lightly, and basically told Euronymous to get fucked and then quit the band. Um, and I believe he was also the only one who, from the scene, who went to Sweden to for the, the funeral. Film. Yeah, for the funeral. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, at that point, the band was Euronymous and Hellhammer. Um, and so... Mayhem kind of fell to the wayside for a little bit. Uh, and then the church burnings happen. And then um, the murder in Olympic Park happened, which, Darren, you had a question about, yeah? Was that the the Gaul murder? No. Or the, fa- the Faust that was murder? Faust. Yeah, that was the Faust okay. murder. Um, from, from my understanding, mm-hmm. he was uh, propositioned by some member of the homosexual community in his town or village. Yes. He was walking. He'd visited his mom in little hammer and he was going through Olympic park apparently. And he was approached by this gentleman and apparently propositioned. And he, in the story that I've always heard, he claims that he decided that he was going to kill the guy. Um, and they went in in the forest and he murdered him. Um, uh-huh. I seem so to he made it to the forest. Yeah, they want he they went into the forest and then he killed him. Um, I seem to and remember. Faust, and Faust was a known homophobe before this. It wasn't like an all of a sudden one time type thing. Okay, I right. It, I it seemed imagine. to be like, common among from a what couple. The book, from what the book says. Okay. Yeah, I just I vaguely remember that. So, um, oh. and I seem to I don't remember again. There's I've read so many fucking interviews in so many places and seen so many documentaries about this shit that I don't remember where I got a lot of this information. But and I can't attribute it to very to people, so I was just like, this is some shit that I heard. Um, <laughs> in a documentary or book. Yeah. I seem to remember somebody it might have been uh, Mannheim. I want to say it was either Mannheim or Necro Butcher. I think one of them talked to Faust about what happened. Yes. Like Faust yes. went to them and was like, "Hey, this happened." And then they he was like, "Yeah, you should go to the police." If the, you know, cuz he, he I guess he explained it as being he's as it was explained as self-defense. So he's like, "Okay, well, if this is self-defense, go to the police." And then he went right. to Euronymous and Euronymous is like, "No, no, no, fuck that. Let's go burn a church." <laughs> and the, off they went and burned a church. Because yeah, and for no a penny reason. and for a pound. Exactly. Right. Um so yeah, and then at that point, the the police had no no leads. They you know uh, the church burnings were assumed to be Satan, uh, Satanists, but they didn't really have any clue. Uh, and the murder was unrelated, as far as they knew. As far as they knew. And then Varg decides to open his big mouth. As he loves to do. Oh, that man loves to hear himself talk. He's got a YouTube channel <laughs> full of Christ. videos. 
just espousing his philosophies. <laughs> Varg Virkinus. Is is he still in prison? Because no. one of the things no. that I noticed about the documentary, because I know he had 21 years, but I didn't know if he did anything else later. Like uh, we talked earlier about Gaul. Yeah. Served two different, at least two different prison sentences. Yeah. But another thing that I noticed about the documentary was unlike pretty much every documentary I've seen, it doesn't tell you what happened to anybody later. It just kind of ends because fuck you. It's the end. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I know. If Fenris is still, like, Dark Throne is still releasing albums, um, Varg. Varg escaped from prison, I want to say it was like 2009, 2010 maybe? And they caught him, and he was in a car full of weapons and shit. And they dragged <laughs> his stupid ass back. Because right, he, he, he was on parole. Like, he was out on parole, and then like he was supposed to come back, and he didn't. And they caught his ass, and he was in a car full of fucking weapons. <laughs> like an idiot. Because of yeah. course he is. And... They took his ass back, and he served out the rest of his sentence, and I think a little bit of additional for being a fucking idiot. And then right. he got out, and he moved to France with his wife and his kids, and he's, I think he owns a farm. Yeah. And, he, he, and he's releasing whatever... Yeah, he's re- he's got his, his YouTube whatever. channel where he fucking pontificates okay. about his bullshit. Um, he released his RPG, My Farag, or whatever the fuck that shit was. Oh, my God. Does I, he run a tourist spot where he sells things called Grishnak's Knickknacks? Oh my god, he should. <laughs> uh, he released three post-prison really good uh, fucking blackmail albums. And then he decided, I'm gonna go back to doing ambient music. And it's like, okay, cool. And it's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's the fucking... It's god-awful. Like, it's just, it's fucking shit. Um, so yeah, he, he that's what he's doing. I've kind of just dropped off paying attention to Varg now because I just don't give a fuck. He's just a shithead. Um, so <laughs> he's always been a shithead. He, he's but... always been a shithead. Um, yeah. So that was music flows too. Yeah. So <laughs> Varg offers uh, to talk to the paper about these cr- about the the church burnings, and in his version of things, he claims that the the newspaper author, excuse me, reporter, um, took everything he said out of context and just made up what he wanted. To, made up what he wanted. And I'm more. Inc- I've, I've read the article, or I've read a translation of it. It's not that outrageous, especially considering some of the shit these guys were saying in fanzines. So I feel like it was more of Varg probably was talking a big game because that's what he did at the time, and. You know, they went to the cops because it was like, "Hey, this is a possible, you know, a possible credible lead." And then, you know, the story is, you know, "Hey, look, these fucking lunatics over here, talking a whole bunch of shit," you know, or something to that effect. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's like nothing he said in the in the article, nothing uh, attributed to him, sounds like something he wouldn't say. Like it sounds like shit that he would have so totally said. You know, and then it's also like they they describe his bedroom. It's like having like Nazi helmets and a I think a a, a map of Middle Earth on the wall or some shit and weapons because yeah. he's a giant <laughs> fucking nerd. Um, <laughs> so, oh my goodness, so many nerds in black metal. I know. All right, so Varg decided to open his, his big fucking mouth and was like, "Hey, I know who did or 
you know, I'm aware of whoever was involved with the church burnings and also let slip details that hadn't been made public yet by the police, such as the rabbit corpse at one of the uh, churches. And also made the connection that the murder in Little Hammer was, was, you know, related to this. So, Var gets carted off to jail. And the latest release, because they couldn't actually, didn't actually have any evidence that he was behind the church burnings at that point. Um, but yeah, he gets carted off, and then that's kind of when the shit hits the fan. Um, this is the point where, I believe, Faust is arrested uh, around yes. this time. Uh, Euronymous closes Helvet, the uh, record store that was kind of their central meeting place uh, for a lot of the bands, uh, because his parents uh, apparently didn't like the uh, the media scrutiny. Uh, and this is the beginning of seemingly the beginning of the end for Euronymous and Varg, uh, because Euronymous is real pissed that Varg decided to open his big fucking mouth and make a whole lot of trouble for everybody, um, and. Varg is pissed because, you know, he thinks Euronymous is just fucking around and not, you know, not actually being... He, he At that point, he sees Euronymous as not being real. You know, it's like he's he's not living up to the shit he's talking, basically. Poser. Exactly. And Euronymous is thinking, don't be a snitch. Right. <laughs> um, and then there's the... This is where it gets kind of dumb. It actually gets real fucking dumb is that Varg claims that Euronymous was going to kill him. And there's been a couple of people who've corroborated the story and been like, yeah, Euronymous was throwing out death threats left and right. Which is true. <laughs> he did. He fucking threw out death threats left and right. This, there was constantly, there was a war going on. I don't know how, it was mostly a war of words between the Swedish death metal scene, or black metal scene, and the Norwegian scene. Because, again, they're fucking teenagers. <laughs> yeah. And they're all hopped up on fucking Satan and their own fucking <laughs> farts because none of them were drinking or anything. Yeah, they weren't even... They, most of them weren't into drugs or right. alcohol. They were just self-righteous fucking devil worshippers. And, and let me be very clear. When we're talking about Satanism in this context, this is, like, theistic Satanism. Like, they believe that Satan was a, was a being and that they were fighting for him. Yeah, they, Satan they, is our god. Yes, and God is dead. They wanted they they, they burned the churches because they thought that would that would start a, a war with the Christians. Uh, and Varg Varg has has pivoted on that over the years and claimed that it was to awaken Odin in the people. And it's just right. like, oh, shut the fuck up, Varg! <laughs> you fucking yeah, dork. He now spouts much more of the the Nordic. Yeah. Kind of, let's go back to our Nordic pagan roots. Right, kind of with thing. a healthy dose of white but supremacism. But still anti-Christian, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, a lot of white American white supremacists have taken the Nordic symbolism themselves. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, well, exactly. Um, Same kind of assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so at this point, the you know, there, I, I, there's been the, you know, various people in various interviews have said, yeah, Euronymous said he was going to fucking kill Varg, but he's, like I said, he threw death threats around, like, like all the time. You know, but... <laughs> I ate his last stick of gum. He said he would kill me. Right. Exactly. But, you know, Varg got it in his head that apparently Euronymous only told, you know, a specific group of people 
who, you know, he felt that, oh, if if Euronymous was, was joking, he would say it to everybody, but he only told some specific people, and one of these specific people told Varg, which I think is bullshit. Like, yeah. I, I, I feel like it was, again, I feel like it was more one of those things where Euronymous was probably hanging out with a bunch of people and was just like, ah, fucking Varg, I'm gonna kill that stupid asshole, you know, and it got back exactly. to, you know, Varg happened to hear about it somehow or some shit. Um... I seem to, again, I can't remember which documentary it was, but I seem to think Var, there was there was a phone conversation between, I think, Euronymous and Snore of Thorns, who was at the time playing second uh, playing Rhythm for Mayhem. So also at this time, Varg has joined Mayhem to play bass on the recording of their, their first official black metal album, Davis Reeves Down Satanus. Um, also, Euronymous featured as a as doing a solo on Burzum's first album on the song War, uh, which is a very Bathory-inspired out, uh, song. Really Bathory. Um, but yeah, he does the solo on that, and then Varg did bass on the Day Mysteries album. Um, but yeah, at this point, Varg is, is convinced that Euronymous is serious about this death threat, and he's gonna he's gonna get him. And this is where the story gets even more fucking stupid because Varg, like I believe, I want to say Snore was the one who, who was given kind of the clearest version of the story, which is that Varg decided he was going to kill Euronymous, roped him into driving, brought brought along his his contract for Deathlike Silence Productions so he could you know have an alibi. Um, brought his shooting gloves, but was too fucking stupid to remember to bring them. And also had someone back in Bergen who was supposed to go to an ATM, take out money, rent a movie with Varg's, uh, you know, pass so he would have an alibi for where he was at the time. Varg denies all that shit and just claims that he was going to go out and talk to Euronymous about his, his contract because he was pissed about not getting his royalties. From there, the the story basically from there is... is from Varg's description and Snore's description, it's kind of the same. It's you know Varg. They they arrive very late in the uh, very early in the morning. It's like three o'clock at the apartment building. Um, Euronymous buzzes Varg in. He comes up to the to the apartment. Um, Euronymous apparently greets him in his underwear. Euronymous apparently kicks Varg in the chest and runs to the kitchen to get a knife. And Varg then draws his own knife. And then a scuffle, a scuffle begins. They start. He, I guess, he stabs him. Varg runs. Or uh, Euronymous runs out, um, breaking a lamp and cutting himself severely on it. Um, Varg claims that he stabbed Euronymous several times as he was running, uh, and then killed him by stabbing him in the skull. Um, I believe actually Mannheim corrected that, uh, saying that it was he cut a, an artery in his foot. He bled to death. That's what did. yeah and i liked Um, how he was like he ran towards the bedroom where he had this gun and that gun and the other gun but well he didn't but i thought i thought he did yeah you know he varg was convinced that he had the 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 sawed off shotgun that he had to kill himself with and a stun gun and it turns out he didn't again because very likely euronymous wasn't actually going to kill him he was just talking shit um you know, uh, Snore happened to be there. Tend to do exactly. Uh, you know, Snore was there, and apparently, you know, 
freaked the fuck out because a, a half-naked, bloody Euronymous comes running past him. Um, and he apparently ran off and uh, I think he jumped in the car. And then, like I said, Vard claims that he it was the, the knife to the head that killed him. It wasn't. Uh, and then they drove back. And for... I want to say... I think the timeline was maybe a week or so. Like, maybe a week. Two weeks tops. Uh, nobody knew... Like, nobody in the scene knew what had happened. All they heard was Euronymous was dead. And everyone assumed that it was the Swedes. Like, everybody figured it was the Swedes who did it. Um, and then it turns out it was Varg. And he got caught. I don't remember how he got caught, but he got caught some... Oh, I think he left the fucking... The contract there. Yeah. And, like, it was signed and dated or some stupid shit like that. Yeah. Because he's he's a fucking idiot. So, Varg gets caught. Snor gets caught. Um, The whole fucking black circle is just completely decimated at this point. Everybody's getting caught. Samoth gets gets tagged for his part in the church burnings. I think at this point, Faust was was put in prison as well. For Uh, the murder. For his murder. Um... Varg got 21. Sure. Wasn't he involved in church burning as well? I think so, yeah. Or just the murder? I think it, I think he had at least one church burning. Okay. Uh, so he got busted for those, um, and then Varg got busted. He got 21 years, which is the maximum sentence in Norway, for murder and arson. And then Snor got 14, 15 years or something like that, I think. Faust um, got 14. Yeah, I believe Faust got 14. Samoth got maybe two or three for arson. Um, yeah, and that kind of decimated the whole scene for a, a bit there. Um, Mayhem's Day Mysteries album finally came out in 1994. Uh, once again, proving that Hellheim is a shithead. Um, Euronymous's parents asked that the bass lines on the album be re-recorded because they didn't want their son's murderer on their son's album. Hellhammer said, okay, no problem, I'll do it. And then fucking didn't, just turned the bass down a little bit in the mix and took Varg's name off the fucking album because <laughs> he's a lazy cunt oh, yeah. and yeah that's that was a, a monument that's an important album from that time period um, and of course Attila from I cannot Tormentor that's what his band was Tormentor um, Attila from Hungary was there the vocalist on that album and his vocals are very unique um, I believe the best description I've ever heard someone give of his vocal delivery on Funeral Fog is an old man straining to take a shit while yelling at the, the neighbor kids on his lawn. <laughs> I think that, that sums up his delivery pretty well. Um, I do really love that album, and I think he does some really cool stuff with his voice on that album in some of those tracks. Um, but there's something that's just not that great. Um, so yeah, at that point, mm, most of Emperor... Yeah, actually, at that point, Emperor is complete. All of all the members of Emperor, except for Isan, are in prison because they're uh, Telok, their bassist. I think he went to prison for church burning as well. Um, so they just released uh, in the Nightside Eclipse in '94, and then couldn't do anything because Samoth's in jail, Faust is in jail, their fucking bassist in, is in jail. Um, Mayhem is essentially no more because Euronymous is dead uh, Hellhammer's on his own and Necro Butcher's off doing whatever the fuck Necro Butcher is doing probably doing drugs um, 
Negro Butcher was the one who was super into drugs. He liked drugs a lot. <laughs> um, and I think Dark Throne was still kicking. Like, they released Transylvania Hunger in 94, which caused a whole shitstorm. Because they released a really dumb press release where they said anyone who criticized the their album should be ridiculed for their Jewish behavior and then tried to apologize for it and apologize really poorly. And then Port put um, Norwegian Aryan black metal on the back of the album. Yeah. Fenris has since apologized for that shit. And it's like, yeah, I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I... like. I've, of all of the, the various black metal dudes, and there are lots of them, holy shit, it's a fucking sausage fest. Um, yeah, exactly, and I think that's part of why I just can't see me getting into it. Yeah. It is so many guys. There are there Just are, guys, and it's so yeah. white. Well, yeah, it's mostly Scandinavian. Yeah, I know, but still. <laughs> um, I mean, the, there, are women in, there are women involved in black metal, though, It's and not just as keyboardists. I mean, uh, I believe... I want to say on the the Norwegian playlist, there's a a song by Thor's Hammer, and the vocalist for that is uh, a woman. And technically, Thor's Hammer isn't Norwegian because I think they were a, they were an American band, um, and she was from Norway. But I still cl- st- stuck it in there because fuck it. Um, Mjurker is another more recent uh, woman in black metal, and she's actually she's caused all kinds of shit because uh, people are fucking stupid. Um, so. Like the big the big names of the early nineties black metal scene, most of them were in jail, so it kind of the whole thing kind of fell apart. Um Death Like Silence Productions was picked up by, I believe, Voices of Wonder. And so basically every band who was on there kind of just bailed because it sucked, apparently. Um And then as the nineties progressed, the the scene kind of changed and like uh, the the old the older bands started to come back. I think in '96 or '97, Mayhem officially came back with a new lineup. Um, it was Hellhammer and Necro Butcher, and then they hired um, Blasphemer for guitars, and then brought Maniac back to be to do vocals. Uh, Ember was back, and you know other bands from around that time. Satyricon was releasing albums in the in, throughout the '90s. Um, Demi Borgir was becoming really big like they won a couple of Norwegian Grammys at this point um, so they are considered sellouts and <laughs> granted right maybe I can I can kind of agree with that um, but um, yeah and so as the 90s as the 90s went on black metal expanded not just in Norway but around the world and changed and the like 99 2000 was when everybody did like a weird industrial black metal album <laughs> like it's it's fucking weird because like thorns released their album around that time um uh fucking satiricon did rebel extravaganza which is a weird industrial album demi borgir did one like everybody was doing these weird fucking industrial albums around that time period for some fucking reason um, was that like when Rammstein or KMFDM was super popular again? I think or? so. Yeah, it was like that. Yeah. It was like that Millennium thing, and like industrial was getting big everywhere, and electronic shit. Yeah, Jinko pants. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then like by the mid, early to mid two thousands, 
like, I want to say 2003, 2004, like, I think Emperor broke up in 2001, Immortal broke up in 2003 or so, um, Mayhem was still kicking, and they still are going, uh, with a new lineup mostly, or a new guitar, two new guitarists, and Attila's back on vocals, um, but yeah, so, like, the, all these different bands have, have kept going, a lot of them have kept going, a lot of them have broken up, um, and it's been interesting to see the way some of them have evolved, um, and the, the deviations and the, the ways that the scene has expanded um, beyond just what it was in you know the early '90s, uh, because you've got stuff like Shining from Sweden, or the one of the most fucking depressing bands I've ever heard, and legitimately is music to open a vein to. It's fucking de- it's sad as fuck. It's just the saddest fucking black metal I've ever heard. Holy shit. Um, and the and dude they just released a new album, right? Oh, yeah. It's real good. Uh, yeah, it's real good. That one and the... It's it's similar to their last album. Um, Everything, Everyone, Everywhere Dies or something like that. Or Goes Away. I don't know what the fuck the album was. Uh, that one was really good and the new one is really good. Um, they're not as bleak as Homestead was, which is like... They're, I love Homestead. But that's an album that I, I have to like, not be in a weird mood to begin with to listen to that album because it is fucking depressing. That album just, ugh, I don't know. Something about that album really just gets to me. Um, yeah, I need more anti-depressants to be in my system. Yeah. Then, you know, I, uh, it's some of this music is yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so it is super depressing um, but yeah so like Arcturus was a, as a band that I really dig who like they got real weird and avant-garde as time went by same thing with Over like Over I think is and that's another project that Garm uh, Christoph, uh, Christoph Rigg uh, was involved in he was in, he was the vocalist of Arcturus for a couple of albums and then um, he quit because he I don't remember why um, but Ulver was his kind of main project. And Ulver is one of the most fascinating of the Norwegian bands from that time period. Because if you listen, like their first three albums, which I'm not going to try to pronounce because they're, they're all in Norwegian and I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. Um, but the first and the third are very traditional black metal and then the, the middle album is a very very pretty acoustic album and it's like what the fuck but it's really good and then from there on they kind of started branching out into doing electronic stuff and then they've since gone in that weird ambient direction and they it, over is a band that every no no album sounds like the last one, which is frustrating because sometimes they do something really fucking cool like Shadows of the Sun, which is this really great moody doom album, and then the next one is some weird fucking electronic thing. It's like, God damn it, over. Well, <laughs> re- reading the book and talking about like just some of the bands, they how they talk about the um, which it occurred to me we didn't mention the title of the book since oh, we started talking. Yeah. <laughs> the title of the book is <laughs> we um, really just went right into it. Yeah. The title of the book is Evolution of the Cult, um, or I'm sorry, Black Metal Evolution of the Cult. 
by Dale Patterson. Thank you. Um, anyway, but the way that they, he discusses like how some of these bands change their musical styles over time, mm-hmm. it seems to me, and and then listening to then you know what if some they say some of their influences were, mm-hmm. you know, with different things. I definitely can see can equate it to Miles Davis and how he took jazz from like that bebop into like fusion and then you know where he started let's start breaking these different musical elements down mm-hmm. um so it, uh, for me i'm much more familiar <laughs> with miles davis so that's that's how i had to equate it i guess yeah. a little bit. yeah that makes sense yeah i mean I, you know it's very interesting because yeah, you're surprised that some of these bands are still around. I mean, they're not... They probably will never... They haven't been big, and they probably never will be, because right. it is such a niche musical genre. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that to see how the genre is evolving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's... And it's, it's, it's fascinating because you get the stuff like... You know, like I said, Over, who've changed dramatically over the years and have produced amazing stuff um a band like Soulfold, they you know the linear i want to say linear scaffold is their first album is a pretty more or less straightforwardy norwegian 90s black metal album it, it's got some weird bits but it's pretty straightforward and then from there on every album has been something a little bit more avant-garde and it still draws in from their black metal roots but it's very is very unique um their album uh, i think it was it norvin lindquist i want to say is the name of the album um is fucking amazing there's a there's a song on it that has a goddamn saxophone and it's amazing and that's always something that's fucking weird is hearing saxophones in metal because they're usually terrible but it works there um world cosmopolis uh or cosmopolis something world metal is the name of the album another one fucking fantastic they introduce a lot of really interesting elements into the music and it works really well um there's also the bands like uh how oh, is it don't sound like uh dm or D, dmg i think what they go by now they were one that started out as a, as a very traditional norwegian black metal band it became more industrial um you have samuel for example who uh, worship him medieval times um, blood ritual ceremony of opposites are all very you know kind of what you would consider traditional 90s black metal in for the most part um, and then they started going into an industrial way and they had a period where they were more club friendly and that, that stuff's not great um, but their last album Hegemony that just came out is fucking good that's fucking Bitchin', uh, bitchin' industrial black metal album. Um, I mean, even even in the early '90s, you had Mysticum, who were, I think I released. They I think they released in the streams Inferno in 90, 94, 95, and I think they were like the first black metal band to use a drum machine for their drums, and it's very clearly a drum machine, and that actually really works for the music. Like it, it gives it a whole different dynamic, and it's like, wow, this is fucking cool, and like. You know, the lyrics are a little bit more... 
They're still black metal shit, but they're kind of a little bit more weird. Um, you know, and then you've got stuff like Sai from Japan, who started out as kind of a death metal band, and then because of their because of you know tape trading and, and corresponding with the Norwegians, became a black metal band, and they're f- super fucking weird. Like that is one of those bands that they're. Sai is a band that I respect greatly, but I have a hard time with their albums because you really have to be willing to sit down and listen to it like four or five times before it really clicks because it's fucking dense with weird shit going on. <laughs> and when I was reading, yeah, and when I was reading the book, I was actually like, I'd like to listen to more of their stuff. <laughs> yeah. They're they're because really I think f- they do have something on the playlist, one of the playlists yeah, you did, I think so. but. Um, and I think I put Cathonic on When you said well. Psy, I thought you were talking about the Gangnam Style no. at first. <laughs> like, he, he, was, he used to be black metal and he went to Gangnam Style? Jesus. That'd be hilarious. Um, <laughs> that would kind of be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a... Talk about uh, evolution. I know, right? Uh, Holy shit. Um, sorry. No, no. It's actually the... I think on Google Play Music... Like, if you look up Psy, the, the Japanese black metal band, like, it just cycles all of that shit together. So you do see, like, the Korean Psy in there as well. It's like, what the fuck? That's not even spelled the same. What are you doing? Um, yeah. Oh, now I hope somebody does a, a cover. I hope oh somebody God. does a black metal cover of Gangnam Style. That would be who. Oh, it needs to happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, um, but yeah, like I said, uh, you know, black metal far and wide reaching. Um, Taiwan actually has a, a pretty prominent black metal band called Cathonic, and their lead singer is actually a member of parliament now. I think he's part of the pro, whatever the youth, <laughs> whatever the youth party of like pro um, Taiwanese uh, freedom is. He's their head and he's a part of parliament, which is fucking bananas. <laughs> but like, kind of love that. Yeah, like I, it's great because like you, their their albums are all very, very much about like the history of Taiwan and stuff, and it's really cool. Like they're a really cool fucking band. Um, and actually, I have a couple of highlights from the book that I wanted to to point out and read because I think they kind of are important bits. Um, and this one is from uh, this is from Mayhem Part One, and this is Mannheim, uh, and he said. I've seen later, a lot of times when people write about black metal or death metal records, uh, recordings, they refer to something that is hard to define. They refer to the early ages where they could feel the truth behind something. And that was the point. You were very close to the real thing, and I guess that is one of the marks of early black metal recordings. Dark Throne is the same. It's poorly produced, but it's genuine. And I think that's kind of the core of what makes black metal important and, like, good. Like, good black metal is fucking genuine. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever that genuineness is, whatever, however that's coming through, that's that's what's important. You know, because like a band like Behemoth, like I hundred percent believe them when they're up st- on stage, fucking singing about Satan. Absolutely, yeah, I absolutely hundred percent believe you because there's there's conviction there, and I believe that. You know, whereas a band like Cradle of Filth, much as I enjoy them, get up there, they. If, you know, they sing about song about Satan. I'm like, yeah, no, full of shit. You're, you're a little <laughs> tiny five foot nothing English man who's very silly. Yeah, the time know. I saw them, they stopped the set to have everybody say happy birthday to the guitar player. 
That's hilarious. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, and here's another. We were just talking about uh, over a bit ago. I have a, a quote from uh, from Mr. Rig himself. Uh, he says, "I find it I find it difficult to see myself as part of this movement because a lot of black metal people follow very fallacious and narrow concepts of life. I seek to be impeccable, and in this can only be achieved through open-mindedness. This implies interest outside of what is common in the above circles." Um, black metal ma- black metal now makes ignorant and, uncon- and unconfident young people warm and fuzzy and functions more as a crutch for individual weakness than anything else. Now isn't that cute? Which I kind of agree with him. Like that's as much as I love the genre. And I do. And it's the reason I'm a guitarist now. The the fans of black metal at times can be real fucking stupid. <laughs> and can be very narrow-minded as far as music is concerned. And you do, you very much will run into those people online who have the opinion that if it doesn't sound like it was ro- recorded on a broken tape deck from 1989 and was only released on cassette to three people in France, it's a, that's a, a reference to Le, the, uh, the French uh, <clears throat> Black Legion, who literally did that. I think it was like... and. It, I'll get into them in a minute. Um, but yeah, you really do find those people who are like, oh, if it doesn't sound like it was recorded in, you know, on a broken tape deck from 1989, it's garbage. It's not black metal. It's like, get, get fucked. That's, okay, that's your definition of the genre, but it's incredibly narrow and stupid when there's so much cool shit in the genre to check out. You know, and it's completely absurd to me to be like, oh yeah, this whole, you know, everything that doesn't sound like this isn't, you know, true or whatever. It's just like, it's so fucking silly to me. Um, but yeah speaking of silly because black metal is if nothing else at times fucking hysterical the uh, there was a group in France <clears throat> in the mid 90s called the, the, the Legion Noir or the Black Legion and no one's really sure how many guys were involved we know for sure at least four possibly more <laughs> they were a group of musicians who recorded music under multiple names and basically only released the, their their albums to each other. Um, <laughs> there's a couple that actually got out. Um, Mutilation is one who released, uh, they, they released Hail Satanus, We Are the Black Legion. Um, they also released several other albums. Um, Destroy Yourself for Satan, uh, uh, something else, March the Black Holocaust, I think might have been one of them, uh, Sorrow Galaxies. Uh, mutilations, all right. They're not great. They're, they're okay. Um, I believe Vlad Tepish was one. Uh, there's like, and they've all got really fucking convoluted, stupid names. Um, but yeah, they were this weird little group of black metal musicians who made some music for a while in the 90s and then basically disappeared. And then, you know, have some of them have resurfaced and kind of popped out and been like, yeah, this is who I was. And this was the, the group that I did. Um, and are in new groups now. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of these like when you first get into black metal, you, you come across a lot of the, the, the stereotypes. Like there's a there's a somebody made a list. I think it's 101 rules of black metal. Um, and it's all just ridiculous. These absurd fucking things. 
and they're all and as as I've gone through like interviews and books and stuff, it becomes clear like, oh, this is where that rule came from. You know, it's all making fun of these absurd fucking things that actually happened, like the like the Black Legion, who you know never. I think one of the rules is like never release your album to anyone. <laughs> or only release it on, on on you know if it's not released on cassette then it's not true and only release th- like three copies or something ridiculous like that um <laughs> yeah so and then as uh as time has gone by we have what is referred to now uh as post black metal or black gaze and a, a genre i don't know if anybody else has called it this but i refer to it as kind of as black and roll um which is more it's it's if Motorhead was a little bit more black metal like if the vocals were a little bit harsher and they were they were singing about something a little bit darker if Motorhead tuned down just a smidge <laughs> with, with slightly higher vocals you know kind of thing you know that's like Tribulation um, All Hell like those are two that pop to mind that I, I consider black and roll because they're just they're, they they feel more like rock rock bands but they're also kind of still metal. Um, and then you've got like post black metal stuff like Death Heaven, who are a huge fucking lightning rod within the genre. People fucking hate them because um, <laughs> they got popular. So of course they're hipsters. Oh yeah, <laughs> the other name for post black metal hipster black metal because fucking <laughs> black metal fans are fucking crybabies. God forbid, God forbid our, our precious little genre that has to be hidden away because we're, and this is the irony of it, of course, is that we don't want anybody to like our genre because we liked it first. It's ours. It's like, you guys are fucking hipsters. <laughs> um, but I have, a, I have one, more, one more quote I want to read, uh, and I believe this is from the lead singer of the band Fen from England. Um... And he's talking about post-black metal. He says, Is it perhaps that post-black metal is really a more acceptable acceptable synonym for grown-up black metal? Pretentious as it sounds uh, as it sounds to dare, to dare voice that. Why not? Black metal has always been pretentious, and given that the members of the majority of, of the acts thus far referenced are well into their 30s, who can honestly express surprise at such thinking? A man in his mid-30s with a wife, children, and a stable job may feel deep unease at screaming about Satan, and bedecking himself in spikes, particularly if he does not feel it. We always talk about sincerity in music. Perhaps post-black metal, for all the accusations of hipsterism, is in fact one of the most honest expressions of all. Which, again, I actually really agree with. Um, As a musician, as someone who... I picked up my guitar for real, for real years, um, about five years ago. Uh, just in late 2013 I was listening to an Emperor album on my way home from work and I was like holy shit I've been listening to Blackmail for 10 years and I felt compelled to give something back to the genre that had given me so much over the years um, and so I decided to pick up my guitar and start teaching myself how to play and I'm still playing and writing and recording now um, but I that his that comment about you know feeling awkward about screaming about Satan and the corpse paint and the, the spikes and all that. It's like, yeah, that's exactly, that was very much something I thought about because it's like, I love this genre, but I want to be honest about what I'm presenting and I don't, I can't 
I can't in good conscience, you know, honestly put on fucking corpse paint and pose <laughs> in the fucking woods, you know, for my music. I just can't. You know, I'm not 18 anymore. <clears throat> um, you know, and I, I find that I, I like a lot of post-black male bands. You know, I like Deaf Heaven. Uh, Yurker, yeah, kind of. Um, I like, I like that band quite a bit. I think, uh, they're very, what she's doing is fucking awesome and interesting. Um, I love Alceste from France. Um, Fen's real good. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's, and then there's like American stuff like, uh, Wolves in the Throne Room, who I really, really enjoy. Um, Leviathan is fucking great. Zaster is hit or miss. Um, and there's a number of other ones that are floating around the U.S. Um, Agalock was one that I fucking loved, but they they broke up. Um, but yeah, I, I I really like the what I what draws me to post black metal is kind of the same thing that drew me to post punk. It's like it's a little bit more atmospheric, it's a little bit more gothic, it's a little bit weirder, and it's a little bit more experimental and willing to try out different things and to bring in other elements that aren't traditional to black metal which is you know fucking something I love and I'm also as a musician I'm all for experimenting with music like do don't just fucking do the same thing everybody else has been doing just do something interesting you know we've all heard Transylvanian Hunger please don't <laughs> rewrite that album even though Fenris admits I think on that album like I think the, the commentary track for that album um it's either that one or the next album I think it's that one though um at the beginning of one song, he apologizes because like, ah, oh, yeah, I fucking recycled that Transylvanian riff, hunger riff, and it's like, yeah, because it's a fucking great riff, dude. <laughs> I've been trying to rip that shit off forever. It's great. <laughs> they do commentary tracks for their albums. Uh, there are some, yeah. Peaceville uh, has been releasing like for twentieth anniversaries. Uh, they've been releasing albums like special editions with commentaries for the album. Um, so. I, I I don't know if they did it for all of the Dark Throne albums. I'm not sure if uh, Blazing the Northern Sky or Under a Funeral Moon got it, but I know Transylvania Hunger did, uh, which is good. I think it, I think that is that's Fenris and Ted, um, Nocturne Colto, the other guy in the band. I fucking love that he's just his name is Ted. <laughs> it's fucking Fenris and Ted, um, <laughs> which and, and again a, a big reason I actually really respect Dark Throne and Fenris in particular is you know he got out of the scene for a while and then he's i think it was i don't remember if it was in the book or where um but he talks about like the black packers you know people who came to norway after the scene kind of imploded a bit and were like doing touristy shit and he was just like yeah fuck that no i'm gonna dispel all of this bullshit i'm just a dude i work at the fucking post office i just love music and he's just like such a genuine dude and like it's fascinating to listen to him talk about music because it's just like you know a shit ton about music and it's great you know and he's just like a regular fucking dude and like that's that's been really cool just for how to have him come out and just be like yeah no this is this is what it is and this is who I am and this is what's going on with with the shit and again it's a, it's genuine it's it's honest and that's what I you know appreciate about him um but yeah the his bandmate's name is Ted never ceases to crack me up though <laughs> um, but yeah I think they did a commentary for that that album and I want to say uh, My Dying Bride who are not black metal but like band I fucking adore um, 
they did one for Turn Loose the Swans, which was super interesting to listen to. Because, um, you know, it's it's cool to hit, listen to bands talk about, like, their old albums and kind of re- recall the stuff that they were going through at the time. Um, I guess it's neat. Um, so, yeah. I don't know where else to go. Um, did you want to... Were you getting ready to say something? No, no, no. I was... If, I figured you guys more had probably had something to say. I well, I, I wanted to throw in that uh, similar to uh, what did you say his name was? Ted, Tom, Ted, <laughs> Ted. Um, well, Samoth from Emperor's name is Thomas. Oh yeah, yeah. He just spelled his name backwards. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did you want to? Was the Black Mass? I, I kept seeing like the Gorgoroth Black Mass. Was oh. that like a huge fucking deal? <laughs> Yeah. Or was that just like, this is what they did? No, that was a big fucking deal. So, Poland has very strict, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Very strict rules about uh, blasphemy. And Gorgoroth was booked for a show in Poland. I believe it was a former church as well, which just makes things so much better. <laughs> um, and so they Gorgoroth is a fairly well-known Norwegian black metal band. Uh, they've gone through they go through fucking they've gone through members like fucking tissue. It's ridiculous. They had um, a thousand ex drummers in yeah. that one documentary I watched. It was like blah 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 ex drummer blah 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 ex drummer. I was like wait yeah everybody, they had like, more drummers than Spinal Tap. Everybody yeah like everybody's fucking drumming <laughs> for goddamn Gorgoroth. It seems like. Um, and that's the one thing about reading the book is that all of that's in there. Yeah. All that. I mean, if you want to know it, it's in there, yeah. but it gets confusing. It's oh, hard yeah. to and, and the scene was super incestuous back then. Like everybody was in everybody's projects. Um, but so yeah, they 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 go to the, they, they they do the show in Poland, and there's you know nude models on crosses and like they, either sheep's heads or pig heads. And there's barbed wire and fire and blood and all kinds of shit. And of course, I think I think the show gets shut down after. I think the show ended, and then was raided by police or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it was on. They released it on DVD as the Black Mass uh, Crackout. <clears throat> and then I think, I think Gorgoroth was brought up on blasphemy charges, but I think they they got off and the promoter got busted because he should have known better kind of thing <laughs> was the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big thing that happened. Um, Gorgoroth, no, no uh, strangers to controversy uh, or crime for that matter. Uh, I believe I, I, and I don't remember which one it was exactly. So I'm going to say, I think it was Infernus and King of Hell. I think I could be wrong. So we're going to throw allegedly on top of that, allegedly those two um, were accused of, I believe, raping someone, and I believe the, the charge was thrown out. I don't remember. Or it was settled. I, I honestly don't remember. That was a thing that happened. Um, and then, I think Gaul has gone to prison... Well, Gaul went to prison prior to being a black metal, because I guess he was in, like, a youth gang or something um, at one point. But he also with that one person he went to school with. Yeah, because <laughs> he lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere. 
Oh my god, that's such a, uh, there's a Vice documentary called, I believe, True Norwegian Black Metal. It's about a half an hour just to, like, with Gaul. He's a fascinating dude. But he takes them out to, like, where his, like, grandparents were, f- were living, and it's, like, this fucking, like, shack up in the middle of fucking nowhere up a mountain in the snow. <laughs> it's the most absurd <laughs> shit ever. The guy's having a panic attack. Right. The, the producer, the cameraman. Yeah, because they're like, holy shit, we're going to die. Um, because that, that, yeah, actually, we lost. Um, I want to say his name was Vreed from um, Val. No, Valfor. Fucking dude's name is Valfor uh, of the same band. Uh, no, of Valfor of Winder. Thank you. There we go. Um, died in a, a blizzard. He was out walking somewhere and died in the blizzard. It was very tragic. Um, a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, so then Gaul has been. I think Gaul has had two assault charges, been in prison for two different assault charges. That is what I was uh, led to believe from the yeah, documentary. He was, I don't remember what the, uh, I don't remember what one of them was. I think one of them was somebody mouthed off at him about being gay and he beat the shit out of him, which, mm. you know, good. Because um, Gaul, however, <laughs> however, you still shouldn't beat the fuck out of people who got Gaul. Don't do that. It's not nice. Um, give him one one tap to yeah. show him what's up. Yeah, and then... give him one good, give him one good right, call it a day. Um, and then he also apparently tortured some dude who like kept fucking with him, like apparently was like like fucking with his property or something. So he apparently tortured the dude for like six hours, and like yeah. apparently had like a chalice under him to collect the blood. And he's like, yeah, I was trying to get so he wouldn't fucking bleed on my carpet. And I'm like, <laughs> it's pr- okay, man. You're being practical. It's a little a little dramatic, but practical i don't have drip pans i only have <laughs> gilded chalices yes yes and of oh, yeah, course yeah. he's <laughs> most famous for being in uh metal headbangers journey when asked what does black metal mean to you and he says he sits there and he takes a sip of his wine and very slowly says satan it's the greatest <laughs> it's the fucking greatest thing ever i love golf he's hysterical i feel like that pause was even longer or actually i think the pause in the end of this documentary might have been even longer than it took for him to say satan yeah probably because he had got he had just got done talking about how everybody's a sheep and people need to teach themselves and this and that and the other thing and the documentarian asked as soon as he said it i was like oh god something something's gonna happen Mm -hmm. he said you know (laughs) I, Gaul is like, you're not listening to me. You're not hearing what I'm telling you. And then he's like, well, guide me. And he just like sits there for like 20 minutes. <laughs> like he shuts his brain off. Yeah. And then he looks at him at the end and like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Gaul's a weird dude. Like he, he's interviewed pretty extensively in the book. And it's. Yeah, he's a real weird dude, but he's also got some... I think he has... I, I It's one of those things where it's like, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in his head, and I would really be interested... Like, he's somebody I want to write a book. Like, fucking write your crazy-ass book about your philosophy of Gaul. I want to read that. I don't want to read fucking Varg's White People Are the Greatest Bullshit. Yeah. His paintings are amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His, he's a, a fucking amazing, amazing dude fucking weird but fascinating um Gaul not uh, not Varg not Varg Varg's just a cunt who made some good <laughs> albums and then made a bunch of shitty ones uh, <laughs> but yeah like 
yeah, like you said, the, like the, there is something. There's something about black metal that draws very extreme personalities to it. Um, you know, guys like Nicholas from Shining, who's clearly fucking insane. Like, dude even admits, like, I think he's, like, schizophrenic or something. Um, and, like, deeply depressed. Yeah. He's fucking banana pants. Um, yeah, and when you read, when you read interviews or whatever with him, you're like, wow. I mean, like, yeah. obviously, you need some medication and or therapy. Like, there's, there's a lot that needs to be. Yeah, you need a lot of help. Put, uh, put in order. Yeah. Um, he Just, actually released, um, uh, I believe at least one or two books of his lyrics um, with an English translation. I think the book is called When the Project Stops Working. I'm kind of tempted to buy it. <laughs> I really am because like I've never read the li- I've, the lyrics are in fucking Swedish so I can't read them. I don't understand them. But I'm kind of like yeah. I'm kind of tempted to read these because it could be I want to see what this I kind of want to see what's going on in this dude's head besides horror and just bleakness. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Well, talking about lyrics mm-hmm. in black metal, yeah. One of the things I discovered and just completely makes my day mm-hmm. is the Twitter feed black metal cats. Oh yes, <laughs> because it has photos <laughs> of cats in the snow or angry looking cats or whatever with black metal lyrics, and it is like the perfect thing. Yep. And they're <laughs> like, always just the most ridiculous. And, and like I think that's that part of the part of that comes from these are a lot of these bands were coming from places where English wasn't their first language right which right. makes some of these lyrics fucking hilarious right and then some of them are awesome it, yeah. it, it, it's some just of them kind just of really interesting good yeah um yeah and like you know every in the the sound of, of black metal in the, every region is very distinct in the book they discuss like um, like Rotting Christ from Greece and a couple other bands from Greece who's named I'm drawing a blank on um, have a very distinct like warmer sound versus the Norwegians have a very cold sound which is true like if you listen to a Rotting Christ album versus a Norwegian one of the Norwegian albums from the same time period very distinctly different um, and not just in production but just general like tone is different um, the same thing with Psy like I love that uh, Mikami, I believe, is the gentleman's name, the lead leader of that band. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, he talks about how, you know, their their riffs are very unique because how he's a you know, obviously he he's in a completely different culture in a completely different country than you know the Norwegian and so and other or other Western metal bands. So how he approaches writing riffs is going to be completely different than from how we would write riffs. And I, I, I find that very, I've always found that very fascinating is that seeing how, how other, how other countries and other cultures pick up specific kinds of metal or different genres of music and what they do with it. And black right. metal especially is super cool with that. Cause it's like, you know, you've got Chthonic who uses like, traditional Taiwanese uh, instruments and Sai I think he was using some traditional Japanese uh, instruments in their stuff uh, Master's Hammer used some traditional uh, Hungarian instruments that were very uncommon and weird uh, you know it's fucking awesome hell yeah 
Hail Satan, hell yeah. Hail Satan. <laughs> so I just talked a whole lot. As you should, man. You are yeah. the expert. I know, right? Well, that. and I told you I was going to depend on you to... Because oh, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't... Yeah. I couldn't remember the names, and you know, you read this book. Now you said four times, three or four times. Three or four, three or four times, yeah. Yeah, and this is a first-time read for me. It took me a while to get into it, mm -hmm. but I enjoyed it. I had, I had previously read the black metal book um, *Lords of Chaos*, right? And I definitely enjoyed this more. Yeah, because it was more just. It, it was a little more informational yeah it's less journalistic rather than more a little more tabloid yeah which i can i mean i can be into sometimes but yeah i, I read lords of chaos i want to say probably 2003 2004 because it was like the only book on black metal at the time and like mm -hmm. this was back in the day when like trying to i i was super into the genre and was like trying to find stuff so i was like digging around online for like old flyers and interviews from magazines and fanzines and shit like anything i could find and that happened to be because I, I i had heard bits and pieces of the stories about like the church burnings and the murders and stuff but i didn't really i kind of heard the same stories everybody else has heard kind of in pieces um and then I, I i read loads of chaos i was like oh okay this is a really good book and then um you know black metal typically gets mentioned here and there in other history of metal books um but we didn't really have a solid, like, really good history of the genre like we did until Evolution of the Cult came out. And it was just like, holy shit, this is fucking great. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't fucking jerk off Varg for three or four fucking chapters like Lords of Chaos does. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's so true. It's so true. Moynihan yeah. is just fucking obsessed with Varg. He's just like, oh, it's, a, oh, it's so good. Oh, and Wild Hunt. Oh. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up, dork. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, my, my black metal friend who gave, who lent me Lords of Chaos to read a couple years ago, I, I'm giving him Evolution of the Cult nice. now, and he's, he's so excited. Yeah. Because he's like, yeah, I wanted something more comprehensive, and, yes. you know, it, and, yeah, he's this just thrilled. Is, so. Yeah. This is like. This is a book, like, absolutely, and I kind of, I didn't think about it until after you mentioned that you are having some difficulty starting it. I was like, oh, right, this is a book that's, like, you kind of have to give a shit about this genre to actually get into. Because, like, the beginning of the book is is interesting, but it's also kind of dry, because it's just like, hey, here are these bands. Here's this right. first wave bands and what they were doing. And it's like, if you don't really, that that's that's interesting to me as a music fan. And as like a historian to see like okay like here are these bands and then like to actually go back and listen to them and be like oh yeah I can hear like where other bands later on came you know we're drawing from these bands. Um, it doesn't really get interesting until it gets into Norway really when we start talking about like mayhem and you know the scene then and then from there it gets interest more interesting but it's like yeah first wave stuff kind of dull. Um, although I think that the the chapter on Hellhammer and uh, Celtic Frost is pretty cool. Because yeah. Tom Warrior is an interesting dude. Um, or Tom Fisher, whatever the fuck his name is. Tom G. Warrior. <laughs> oh my god. I love... Uh, the, the the really bad pseudonyms from the 80s are great. They're just so good. Um, 
but yeah so like i would absolutely like this is a book that if if you have a passing interest in black metal i would absolutely recommend that you read it is very dense and it is a lot of information um but at the same time i've also it's one of those things where it's like i already knew a lot of this shit and i knew a lot of the i was aware of a lot of these people and bands so i kind of had some frame of reference um and I would also recommend that if you've never really given black metal a shot, you know, check out the playlists. And if you decide to pick up the book, I would absolutely recommend like reading a chapter and like trying to listen to that, like listen to some of those songs from that band. So you get an idea of what, what they're talking about. Um, Cause that helped me a lot. Cause like I hadn't, I had for whatever reason, I hadn't really listened to Celtic Frost or Bathory in forever and got really into them while I was reading the book. Like I, like really really into those two and then also got into Dark Throne recently because of the book because I just just rereading it I was like oh yeah these guys are fucking great um yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting bands throughout the book that are worth checking out um some of them are kind of hard to find on streaming services so you kind of have to dig around but I think a bunch of them are on YouTube so like I don't know if if something like Flarity is on uh fucking Spotify but you sure shit can probably find on uh, YouTube and that's a fucking what is it whatever their first album was called some Norwegian shit that I can't pronounce was fucking pretty good um Mains is another one that was pretty interesting although they got real fucking weird and avant-garde um so yeah okie dokie <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have any more anything else you wanted to Adder. Yeah, I, I mean, I would back up your uh, head to YouTube. There mm-hmm. is a deep, dark, long hole in YouTube yep. when you just type in black metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would honestly say, like, if look up the look at the back of the. I think the back of uh, Evolution of the Cult mentions like all the bands that are are talked about. Or check out cultneverdies.com, their website, um, that has a listing of like the bands that were involved in the book and stuff. Um, that's a great place to start. If you want to figure out if black metal is your thing, like check out a bunch of that stuff and you know, jump on YouTube and start looking up albums. Um, I know Oops. most of them are on there. Hmm? I was going to say, I mean... To recommend the documentary. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like takes us. That's even an that's an easy place to start. Oh it's, yeah, yeah. And the I soundtrack know, I, is available somewhere. I think so. Yeah. Um, and it's got a good soundtrack. Like there's a bunch of uh, they do a pretty good mix. Like there's, I believe mostly it's Dark Throne stuff. There's some Mayhem stuff on that soundtrack. Uh, there's some Burzum. I know there's some several over tracks we use in the movie. Um, but yeah so yeah absolutely like the, I think the movie was it would be the best place to start uh, if you have any it's very, it's very accessible yeah even though it still gives you plenty of information um, as far as the music goes and as far as just the scene yeah. and whatever the crime bullshit yeah it. Um, and it's very it's very focused on you know that time that specific time period it doesn't go too far past the 90s really and it doesn't get into the real beginnings of the scene right either. right um you know and like and like from there i would say like once upon like i said once upon a time in norway is a really good documentary about the the scene 
I think that one... I think that one might be a little bit broader. I don't remember now. Because it's been forever. Um, and then... While it's predominantly focused on mayhem, uh, Pure Fucking Armageddon is a really has a really, really good uh, chunk about the early days of mayhem and into the early days of the black metal scene. Um, that's really, really cool. Uh, so I would recommend those, those as well. I think... I think those are on YouTube. I'm not sure. I haven't looked. And a um, lot of horror people listen to the show until the light takes us is on Shutter in the U.S. At least. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. I fa- I watched well. I watched mine on YouTube, but sweet. Yeah, I do remember seeing it was on Shutter. So that's fucking awesome. Super good doc. Um. Yeah, and I would recommend you know, check out like uh, the black metal stuff in Metal Headbangers Journey is okay. It's more funny than anything because you get a very drunk necro butcher um, and also the <laughs> aforementioned gall scene uh, which is pretty great um, and then Vice did a couple uh, they did True Norwegian Black Metal which like I said is about a half an hour with gall which is really interesting and then one called One Man Metal which uh, follows uh, Jeff Whitehead of Leviathan the dude from Zaster uh, whose name I can't think of and the dude from Streborg, whose name I can't think of. Um, and the dude from Streborg is such a fucking dork. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, also really cool. Those are both on YouTube for sure. Uh, One Man Middle is three parts, but it's totally worth watching. It's about half an hour, 45 minutes or so total. Uh, really, really good. Really interesting. Um, so yeah, check those out. And then like I said, if, you, if, the, if the genre catches your fancy... Um, I would absolutely say read the book. The book is fucking great. It's super detailed, and there's a lot of information. But if you're into these kinds of books about like the history of you know specific musical genres, it's a fucking great read. Uh, for the interviews and the photos alone, there's amazing photography in this book. Yeah, that's why I spent the money to get the physical copy. I have to say. Yeah. Rather than doing Kindle, but it was it's a massive book. Yeah. It is almost 600 pages. Yeah, it's it's crazy big. <laughs> I'm sorry, almost 500 pages. But almost 600 pages once you include the, the photo inserts. Right. Yeah. And, so. you know, some might argue 500 is almost 600, depending on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's close enough. Yeah. Close enough uh, for government work, right? Yep. <laughs> well. uh. There we are. Yeah, we... Do we have anything else we want to say about black metal? I'm definitely gonna look look more into it. Okay. It's it's a, it's awesome. a genre I never had anything against, mm-hmm. but I didn't give the the attention that yeah. I feel like I want to give it now. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would recommend, like I said, the uh, the Spotify playlist. I'll put those links in the show notes. Um, I tried to include at least two songs from each band, if possible. Um. There's a really good variety in there. Yeah, and so in in some cases, with some of the the, the big name uh, bands, you know, Burzum, Mayhem, uh, Dark Throne, I try to include a couple of songs, like a song from each album that kind of stood out as being like a clear uh, evolution of their sound um, to kind of give you an idea of like where some of these bands have gone, uh, Mayhem especially. Um, 
and then you know, the international playlist has a bunch of more you know a bunch of the random stuff from other countries that's, that's interesting and then, uh the post black metal uh playlist is a little bit shorter uh just because i don't have i couldn't find a whole bunch of them or ones that i was really i really liked or felt really fit that genre um but i try to get as many in there as i could um so yeah play those notes uh, those will be in the show notes uh yeah and of course i'm recommending the book and the movie but i more book is a conditional recommend i would say watch the movie and then if you're interested in further reading pick up the book yeah no i absolutely agree with that i absolutely agree with that don't just go and pick up the book like it's it's a lot of commitment on multiple levels. <laughs> yeah, it, it, if you're, it, it really is one of those things. Like, if you're not into metal, or if you're, or like I said, if you're not really someone who's into like reading books about the histories of you know musical genres, the book's not going to really do much for you because that's really a lot of what it is. But a lot of t- ton of great pictures, really good interviews. It, it's fucking amazingly well researched. And it's great. Yeah. And Darren, would you recommend the documentary? I would definitely recommend the documentary, and I am recommending to myself that I read the book. Nice. All right. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to close out the show. Officially a Scream Queen. Come play with the rest of us at www.screamqueens.com. That's Queens with a Z. Or you could subscribe to us on iTunes. Either way, it's going to be fucking fabulous. The Scream Queens Horror Podcast. It's where horror gets bent. So, thank you everyone for joining us for episode 9 of the VD Clinic. This has been super fun. Um, So, announcement that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, So, I have been giving it a lot of thought and have been debating for, I don't know, about a month or two, probably longer, um, about my future in podcasting and how I felt about it. Because uh, honestly, I've been kind of losing interest in it and kind of feeling burnt out. Um, and not necessarily because of anything that happened. You know, it wasn't, any, wasn't anything that happened with, you know, this show or with Devour or, or anything that was said to me on Facebook or anything. It was just, I kind of feel like I want to go back to being just a regular ass dude who doesn't sit on the internet and give his opinions about everything. Uh, so I've decided to retire. Um, 
this is my last podcast. I maybe will do a final devour. I don't know. I got to talk to Bo about that. Um, we'll see how I feel about that. But, um, you know, I really wanted to finish out my time here on, on VD clinic because I think this is a really fucking great show and I'm super proud of what we've done so far. Um, and also would like to hand off my, my hosting duties to Darren. Um, because you can't have VD without the D. That's right. Um, (laughs) you know, and it was, he was absolutely the first person who came to mind when I decided that I was, I was done. I was like, I want, I knew like when I made the decision that I wanted to retire, I knew I wanted VD to continue and I knew exactly who I wanted to take over. And I knew it was like, yep, Darren, I'm going to, I want Darren. And I, I, I think, I think Vanessa even asked, I was either, I suggested it or she was like, what about Darren? I was like, yeah, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, cause you've, you've, you've had you on the show before. You're very funny. You have your own show, which is super good. And you and Vanessa fucking can talk. <laughs> this is, this is probably the quietest episode you two have ever been on together. Well, I didn't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to let you go on this point. And yes, it's true. We can talk. And that is part of why we do work well together. Yes. But um, I would be lying to say I won't miss you. Yeah. Um, you're sarcastic ass. Um. <laughs> it, it was it was an honor and it was special to me that you guys thought of me. And uh, yeah, I just want you kids to know that I'm not trying to replace David. No. It's, uh, it, it's you know like i said this is the stepfather discussion with the kids right yeah, the step host yeah the step host <laughs> david still loves you all yeah no i absolutely do like i said i this is was nothing to do with anything that happened on facebook or anything like that it was you know i took a break for about a month from facebook because i just it was it was just too much for me there was a lot of just noise um you know and like with the way things are right now in the world and the way things are going in my personal life, things are kind of chaotic and there's a lot of other things that I'm being drawn towards. Uh, music especially is something I'm very focused on recently and I want to be able to give my, you know, hundred percent creative energy to that right now. And unfortunately I can't really do that if I'm doing a podcast as well. I mean, I love, I love podcasting. It's been fun, but I've also been doing this now for about a decade off and on. You know, um, yeah, it's time. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I, I'm super proud of everything I've accomplished in this 10 years, you know, from starting out on a really terrible fucking show that I hated to, you know, devour onto this. Um, but I also realized that I just don't have the energy to, to help build this show up the way that I think it deserves to be. Because we're already doing really well, and I think we, you know, we're gonna. The, the, I think VD has the absolutely has the potential to keep going and being uh, be better um, and bigger. I just don't have the energy to be the one to help shepherd that at this point. Um, you know, it's it's not the workload because I mean, as much as I bitch about editing, it's not that bad. It's just <laughs> you know what? I'm just I'm kind of done. I'm done spouting off on the internet i mean i'm still gonna shit post everywhere because that's what i do um <laughs> well right i'm just i'm you know i'm just and I'm, that's why the internet's there yeah exactly it's just i'm i'm kind of done being a, a host of a show you know it's been a, it's been a blast um i want to 
thank everybody who's listened over the years and who's especially the the people who've been supporting vd thank you guys so much um the support that this show has gotten since day one has been baffling honestly the numbers <laughs> the numbers we the the first time i saw the numbers for the show i was legitimately like like genuinely shocked because i was like holy shit like that's off of three episodes what the fuck you know um <laughs> and it was weird because like I, when i saw the numbers i was like oh that's not bad and like i had to recalibrate my brain for a second because i'm like i'm not thinking in devour numbers i'm thinking in vd numbers these are you know this is based on three episodes and i'm like oh holy fuck you know and so like that was kind of one 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 of the things that like was like okay like this is something that has potential and it's just like i just don't i just don't have the energy to to be the one to help push it along um although vanessa has been amazing as a task man uh task manager (laughs) 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 taskmaster big bucks (laughs) i know um you know so i want to say thank you darren for taking over and helping shepherd this madness into whatever it becomes which will be successful i'm sure and thank you vanessa for actually kicking me in the ass to actually get this fucking thing started after i was like hey we should start a podcast and then not talking about it for like three months (laughs) three four (laughs) months or some shit and then you're like hey let's actually do that i'm like oh fuck yeah what's the thing you were talking about (laughs) right i'm like oh shit did i actually i did say that didn't i fuck all right i got a list of the next 10 things we need to do literally she's like all right let's do the podcast I'm like okay cool what are we gonna call it i don't fucking know and then we came up with the clinic and then just like that everything kind of just sort of fell into place and um yeah so like i said i want to say thank you guys both for for being here and for for doing the show i have a, the utmost um uh confidence in both of you taking over the show and pushing it to where it's gonna it needs to be um and especially i want to say thank you to everybody who's listened again you guys are the fucking best you guys have always been the fucking best you know you're a big reason why i've kept doing this for as long as i have because you guys have been fucking great so yeah that's me i'm done i'm hanging up the headphones soon this is kind of kind of weird um but yeah Yeah, man. Uh, I, I think we're both a little afraid afraid to follow that. That um, yeah, because yeah, it's. I've loved the show since I first heard about it. Uh, I think when Vanessa came on my show to do, uh, like the third or fourth episode, uh, she's like, "I've got an idea. I can't really talk about it yet." And then ever since the first episode, I've been a fan, and this is. I was a little, this was actually the first time I've been nervous about doing a show for a while because I didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> I was like, okay, be on your best behavior. Um, yeah, thanks. And also, since you brought up Devour, yeah, I love that show too. So I started listening to that because of VD Clinic. And um, yeah, dude, uh, it's. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be hard to try to fill your shoes. So I'm just going to wear my Doc Martens. That's fine. There is there are discussions going on with regard to Devour uh, continuing without me. Um, I need to email Bo though because he's I'm kind of giving him the keys of the kingdom on that one. Um, 
but I got to email him about that and kind of see where he's at with it and what he wants to do or if we're going to come together for a another passing of the torch episode. Um, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, I got nothing. One if by land, two if by sea. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I, I guess I, I will just end with saying, uh, uh, Thank you, David. You kind of kicked my ass to get into podcasting. So. <laughs> um, I'm glad you, uh, yeah, I'm glad you nudged me along and it's, it's been great. And I, yeah, like I said, I understand. I, I, <laughs> I'm disappointed to not have you by my side, but I know that Darren will, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have a great team there because yeah. we have our own. Our own separate special thing going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you set up the show with your form. The format you guys came, you folks came up with is so awesome that it sort of prevents me from turning, turning <laughs> it towards the conversations Vanessa and I have on my show. Right. Well, I mean, depending on the uh, subject matter you guys cover. True. Yeah. True. Which, okay. Speaking of, so next, our next yeah, month. I was say, <laughs> uh, so what's your next episode about? <laughs> Which we were actually going to have Darren on as a guest anyway. <laughs> oh, that's right. We are going to, I, I decided to leave that in the mix, um, is going to be the movie Brazil <laughs> and the Sinclair Lewis book, It Can't Happen Here. So it's fascist February, everybody. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> so I can't promise that discussion won't get political, but um, Darren's still going to have his separate <laughs> we'll talk about the movie show. a lot more than yeah. we do when we're on my uh, my time. Right. <laughs> like right. semantic. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. So uh I won't yeah. ruin that for the fans. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that one's gonna be inevitable where we you know, something comes up. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean yeah. Considering the subject matter, yeah, it's gonna that inevitably would happen. Right. <laughs> so but um, yeah, Darren's still going to have his separate psychosemanicast and separate political stuff, and we'll just have general craziness here and <laughs> occasional political comment. Yeah. <laughs> it's inevitable. It's come up. It's happened with you and I before. Oh so. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think that's just that's a normal. It's just that's just us. Like that's just part of the yeah. show. Um, yeah. You know, and that was that was kind of baked into the DNA of the show when we started. It was just sort of like by nature of the various things we were going to talk about. Right. You know, it was just like, yeah, we're going to be talking about a bunch of random shit. So sometimes you get showgirls. Sometimes you get Michelle remembers Step the Stepford wives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Stepford wives. And yeah. And Michelle remembers, Ugh. which yeah, Darren's going to have to start picking better books. But... <laughs> <laughs> Good. The curse of the bad book choices can fall to Darren. I, I'm willing to take that. Uh, and Captain Vanessa will steer us through those rocky waters. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm still going to be getting angry text messages, except it won't be my <laughs> fault anymore. God, I'm going to get a text message from Vanessa at some point going, God, I wish you were still choosing books because Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> I, I just, I know at some point you're going to pick something just God awful, terrible. And she's going to be like, I wish you were still picking books. Cause this is, this is the worst. <laughs> like you I understand pick- you only picked two bad ones. I know. <laughs> and out of nine, that's not bad. Yeah. No, two out of eight, because we didn't do one for Hebrew. Oh, Hammer. right, right, right. You're right. 
two out of eight. That's yeah. That's still pretty good. Yeah. So and, can't you can't love everything? That's fine. That, that that's also true. Yeah. But how many of those good books were ones that I picked? <laughs> mm, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, no, you're, you're still going to be getting you know shit for me. You can't oh, yeah. escape. Yeah, so. I, well, I mean, Michelle remembers was a, I mean, Five Nights at Freddy's I knew was garbage going into it. Like Michelle remembers, I at least had hope that it was going to be good. Like it, it had promise. It promised so much, <laughs> and it gave us rhyming Canadian Satan. <laughs> well, fuck that book. <laughs> So bad. So bad. Yeah, Norwegian mm-hmm. Satan, definitely better. Oh, yeah, totally. Just wrecking shit left and right. <laughs> Just burning <laughs> churches and causing all kinds of chaos. It's great. Burning down Tim Hortons <laughs> in, his war, in his war against Canadian Satan. Yep. Uh, there you go. There you found your latest uh, Photoshop, yeah. uh, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Norwegian Satan versus Canadian Satan. Oh my God. All right. Let's wrap this up. Um, anything else we want to say before we get out of here? No, thanks. Thanks yeah. for having me on and thanks for taking me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. VD will be back in, in uh, February with uh, fascism. Yeah. <laughs> Fascist February with yeah. Darren and I. Fascism's back, baby. It's oh, gonna be fun. I <laughs> can't wait to hear that. One. I know, right? But that's good. Yeah, I'm super excited to hear that one because it's gonna be interesting. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's all I gotta say. Um, say goodbye, Vanessa. Hail Satan. Goodbye. <laughs> Darren. Uh Satan. <laughs> oh, bye, Darren. Uh, <laughs> bye, everybody. Hail Satan. Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VD Clinic Pod or reach us via email at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more. <laughs>